Good morning from WKYT News. I'm Bill Bryant. We welcome you to Kentucky Newsmakers and hope you're enjoying this weekend. Later, home buying trends in the Bluegrass region. We'll talk with folks from Kentucky Realtors a little later about how the economy is impacting sales and the ongoing push for affordable housing options. But first, Kentucky's Lieutenant Governor Jacqueline Coleman is here. In her first political office, it's been the term nobody expected from COVID and shutdowns to deadly tornadoes to major jobs announcements. A wide rides of ups and downs for the Bashir Coleman administration. Now the governor is running for re-election. Most assume Coleman will again be his running mate, although candidates don't have to make that decision now until after the primary. She says she is. <laughs> Lieutenant Governor Coleman was an educator and successful coach before becoming Bashir's running mate in 2019. Lieutenant Governor Coleman has traveled the state extensively during her term, joining us today for Kentucky Newsmakers. Thanks for coming. Appreciate it very much. Thank you so much for having me. Unfortunately, it comes on the occasion of uh, this week uh, us learning about this horrible uh, school shooting out in Texas and uh, you're a former teacher you spent uh, a lot of time on those school campuses uh, what are your thoughts first of all about the tragedy uh, just on a personal note I, I am devastated I am angry uh, and I think so many Kentuckians and Americans share those feelings um, yes I was a teacher I think about those two teachers that literally sacrificed their lives to, to save what they could of their students' lives in that classroom. And they have kids at home. And somebody's gonna have to explain to those kids uh, what their mothers did. Um, and that they were, they were heroes in this and, and should have never had to be. Um, I think about the parents around the, um, around the United States this morning, just like me, that dropped their kid off at preschool or at school, and it felt different. It felt different. Kissing her goodbye, kissing Evelyn goodbye this morning um, was not like it was yesterday morning. And I know so many families feel that. Um, and I, I think about the absolute need to be able to have a society where our kids can go to school and be safe. We have to figure out how to make sure that that's possible and that becomes a reality for not just our community, but this entire Commonwealth and this country. If you could turn that anger that you described and the emotion that you mm -hmm. obviously feel about this situation into action, uh, what would it be? Well, you know, I can give you an example of what, what we've tried to do. Um, in, uh, I think it was a couple sessions ago, uh, Senator McGarvey, um, proposed a, a piece of legislation about red flag laws. That is an overwhelmingly popular um, thing when it comes to fighting violence like this. Um, and it didn't move. It didn't go anywhere. Uh, and, and that is frustrating, but I do think that every time something like this happens, we have to look internally and say, what are we willing to, to do? What are we willing to deal with? Some say more security is needed at schools. There was a bill this year that requires mm -hmm. uh, that, resource officers, but did not fund the local school district's uh, positions for that. Uh, is that the answer, more security? Well, first of all, there, there's no single answer, unfortunately. This is a very multi-layered, multi-faceted issue. And if, if it weren't, we'd, we would have figured it out by now. Um, but 
what I will say, and again, this frustration and anger um, uh, from a teacher's perspective and an, an educator's perspective is it's another unfunded mandate, another requirement on schools that they are expecting you to do X, Y, and Z, and there's no funding attached to be able to make it possible. Uh, and so again, we have to be willing to ask ourselves, what are we willing to do to protect our kids? Well, we talked about the, the ups and downs of, uh, of your tenure as a lieutenant governor. We are about to hit the six-month point since those uh, deadly tornadoes out in oh. western Kentucky. Uh, many are still homeless. Slowly, they're rebuilding mm -hmm. things out there. Uh, has the state done all it can to uh, support those who survived the storms and those who suffered tremendous loss? Well, let me, let me say this. I, I was in Bremen. Um, within 24 hours after the tornado uh, passed through that community. And we hear a lot about Dawson Springs and Mayfield, and rightfully so, because those, those communities were devastated. But when I went through and I, I surveyed the damage in Bremen, I went to the elementary school, and the gym was wall to wall, packed with supplies. I mean, tables upon tables of resources that were there for those families. Now, it, was, it had only been 24 hours, so there wasn't enough time for resources to come from across the state or across the country like they eventually would. Those were neighbors helping neighbors. Those were people in the, our communities who were spared and knew that their neighbors were suffering and did what they could to help. And I have to tell you that when I saw the, the, the communities that were damaged, you have to see it to believe it, and even then, you can't really explain it. You can't put it into words. But what I saw hour after hour, day after day, was Kentuckians stepping up to help each other. What I saw was an administration and locally elected officials in the state legislature coming together, not asking each other, what's your political party? Are you conservative or liberal? But how can we help move these people forward? How can we help rebuild the lives of these families that have been devastated? And to me, that's the best of us, right? It, it, it shouldn't have to take something like that to happen to bring us together like that. But since then, we have worked tirelessly with local officials, partnering with the mayors and judge executives out there uh, to uh, basically allocate temporary housing to get families on their feet to help provide for them as they rebuild. Uh, the governor just visited um, and did some Homes for Hope uh, out there, and it's the beginning of a, of a very long process. There's been some frustration uh, that has been expressed by some that they know that tens of millions of dollars was raised for this Western Kentucky mm -hmm. Tornado Relief Fund, mm -hmm. and that money has not all been, in fact, most of it has not been allocated mm -hmm. at this point, mm -hmm. right? So with the Western Kentucky relief fund. Those dollars were raised in order to be able to help supplement um, all of the other resources that would be coming in from whether it's the federal government with FEMA or state resources that we may have. And so as we go through deploying these processes, cleaning up an entire town that has been completely demolished is not easy and it takes, and it takes time. Um, rebuilding homes, entire neighborhoods takes time. And so we diligently work to raise those funds and to help get uh, resources out to those communities as quickly as we could, and we'll continue to do that. After a legislative session in which uh, Republican leadership uh, led the legislature to override uh, virtually every veto the governor came with, in your view, uh, you know, there was a lot of money that was allocated. There are lots of raises that have been given. Was this uh, uh, a session that 
you celebrate or were there things that you're more concerned about or both? Uh, maybe both. <laughs> um, I will say this. Um, we've, we ended up with the best budget that we've had in, in as long as any of us can remember. Uh, but we fell short. We could have done better. Um, it, you can say it's the, it's the highest funding, for example, for public education. But it could have been better, and it should have been better. Um, when we we are at a situation now in Kentucky where we have seen unprecedented investment in economic development, um, we are creating tens of thousands of jobs already in this administration, and so that that boom and that movement is there. If we want to build an economy of the future, uh, and I think we do, it starts in our classrooms, and so we have to make sure that with our budget. Um, we are investing in our kids, in our future, and in our economy. Most state employees got significant raises, uh, but the legislature made it a local decision for teachers and, uh, and, and educators. And now some are getting significant bumps. Uh, Mercer County is an example of that at 10%. Some districts are going much lower, 2%, 1%, I think, in one county. Uh, as a former teacher, would you have wanted to see uniform raises mandated by the legislature and funded by the legislature. Well, let me say this. The 8% the raise that state employees got was absolutely deserved and long overdue. Same with uh, law enforcement, same with our social workers. That absolutely we have to protect our public workers and, and make sure that we are providing them with a wage that will continue to build um, upon those professions. As for teachers, um, the governor included uh, a significant raise for teachers in the budget. It was taken out. And when the legislature says that the, the Republican leaders in the legislature say they left it up to local decisions, they didn't. They took the raise out of the budget and schools can, most schools cannot meet uh, the threshold to be able to provide those raises because of all of the services um, that those funds go to provide for anyway. Now, if you wanna give people raises, give them raises, right? That's what I say. But there's a reason that teachers were expected to advocate for raises and yet no other profession had to. Are you disappointed that the Democrats didn't recruit enough candidates uh, to run this fall to, to make any kind of dent in the Republican supermajorities in both chambers? Well, you know, when it comes to running for office, it is, um, it is certainly not for everybody. Um, and so I, I look forward to making sure that we continue to lift up um, our local leaders, that we continue to find folks who are doing the right thing, who are living a life of service and convince them that um, public service is worth it. Uh, but quite frankly, right now with this uh, climate the way that it is, you know, I, I understand why people are hesitant to put their name on the line, but I will say this, um, it's hard, but it's always worth it. And we need more good people, more everyday Kentuckians that that are working in normal jobs um, that understand what it's like um, at the kitchen table to be making decisions for Kentuckians. You anticipate you will be Governor Bashir's running mate next year? Yes, I do. And you're operating right now as though that is the case? Yes. Uh, you know, Governor Bashir clearly wants to run for re-election on the economy and low unemployment and mm -hmm. these major jobs announcements that you referred to. Can he steer Kentuckians' attention, though, away from uh, other issues that will be brought up by, uh, you know, those running against him, the, the COVID policies that some thought would, was an overreach, uh, some of the social issues that have come up in the legislature that he vetoed that seem to have popularity in Kentucky? 
Well, so I, I will say this. Um, we were fortunate to have Governor Bashir during a once in a century pandemic. I keep telling him it better be once in a century pandemic um, because he is a leader who treated every single Kentucky family like it was his own. And when you put politics aside, when you're willing to listen to experts and make the best decision you can with the information you have and, and do it because you know it's the right thing, that's what leadership is. And so he will tell you, he had to make some hard decisions um, along the way and we didn't have a playbook for this. And as I travel the state now, what I hear is people saying, listen, it's been a hard couple years, but if it wasn't for Governor Bashir, we don't know where we'd be right now. And so as we put the pandemic in the rearview mirror, hopefully, um, what I do think we're seeing is Kentuckians being grateful for leadership in some of the toughest times, especially now that we have the economy that we have moving forward. You have been a proponent of women being in leadership mm -hmm. positions, and yet it's been nearly 40 years since uh, the state's only female governor yeah. uh, was elected, Martha Lane Collins. There's never been a Kentucky U.S. Senator uh, female from Kentucky, uh, and a lot of women are leaving the state legislature this year. Uh, do you think women are making strides or falling behind in the Commonwealth? Well, it, it has been a very long time since Kentucky's had uh, a governor, uh, a female governor. Um, I can remember when Martha Lane Collins was governor, I was a, a little girl. Um, and I always say that she's the only female governor Kentucky's had so far. Um, but I will say the, the females that left the legislature this year was by design from the way that the districts were redrawn by the Republican majority. Um, they pitted Democratic women against each other. Um, primarily the women that had, had the guts to stand up and share their voice about issues that, that they believed in, um, they were punished for that. And that's unfortunate because we want to make sure that voices are heard in the minority as well as in the majority um, on, on the House and Senate floors. But I will say this, I've, I, as I look around at, at young women, college women, uh, girls in high school, I, I have never felt more hopeful. I've gotten to work with the, with the Student Advisory Council for the Department of Education. We worked on a lot of student mental health initiatives and these students I mean, particularly these, these high school girls, they are as bright as can be. And so I know that it's gonna take some, some time, it's gonna take some effort, but it's gonna take people like that to turn around this political atmosphere. Lieutenant Governor Coleman, thanks for coming by. We appreciate it. Yeah, thank All right. you. We'll be back in just a moment and we'll be talking to Kentucky Realtors about housing, the market. It seems to be changing pretty quickly here uh, as far as demand. We'll be back in a moment. Welcome back to Kentucky Newsmakers. We're glad to have you with us. We hear a lot these days about home buying trends. The market has been hot in Kentucky the last couple of years with rapidly rising demand and prices. With interest rates jumping, will that cool the market? Kentucky Realtors are celebrating their 100th anniversary this year. Mike Inman of Mercer County is serving as president during this special year. He's joining me today to talk about the place we call home, our homes, and we'll do that. It's good to see you. Appreciate you coming in. Thank you, Bill. I'm glad to be here. Mike, also, uh, Kentucky is our home, and we had such a, a, a rough situation about six months ago with those tornadoes in western Kentucky. Realtors connected nationally, got involved, and you're able to help uh, considerably with that effort. Yes, we are. A, a historic effort. Uh, this happened on December the 10th. I was installed as the president uh, just that week, just a few days before it. So it's been a, a, a number one item for me. We immediately sprung into action, went to the Realtors Relief Foundation of the National Association of Realtors and asked for a grant. We were awarded $1.5 million to help pay for temporary lodging allowances for 
uh, people who are impacted by the tornado. And because we have realtors in virtually every community in Kentucky, we were able to reach down to those communities and find the people who are most impacted by the tornadoes and have them uh, assist with getting the applications in the hands of people to apply, get those applications into us. We've received over 600 applications at this point and have approved in the 500, 530 range of them been approved. And we're at $550,000 now that we have awarded as in grants between four hundred and three thousand dollars per uh, impacted household. Uh, there was just a, you see it, and there was that desire to help on the part of your realtors. A absolutely, we realtors help everybody. Home ownership and property rights are fundamental to what we are as realtors. And when someone's homes are impacted, we we have gone in and gotten grants before for floods and things nothing on the magnitude of what this is. But our realtor family sprung together to help the communities that they live and work in. We've been uh, talking about a red hot housing market for a couple of years now, and uh, are you seeing indications that that is likely to continue, or are there factors at play that may slow things down? Well, Bill, we've had an unsustainable period of growth for the last several years. and We've, in fact, been in a, a growth period for over a decade now. And so in the last few months, there's been a big change. I, I would say a shock to the market uh, that has come about because of more than doubling in the price of gasoline, uh, more than uh, doubling the uh, mortgage rate. Uh, although there has been in the last couple of weeks a little bit of a decline in, in the uh, mortgage rate, but the, the rates jumped from uh, down around 3% to, to about 5.5%. Um, that's a big shock. Uh, if you take a person who uh, let's say someone is spending $200,000 on a home, that represents about, I think about $300 difference in buying power each month. So that's a, that's a big impact. The other thing that's impacting us is there's a shortage of building materials. We have uh, homes that are under construction that are waiting for, for things like appliances or, or electrical faucets, remodeling my own bathroom in my house and we're waiting right now for faucets to come in, believe it or not, uh, been waiting for over a month. So there's a shortage of materials. There's also a shortage of labor, uh, and labor costs are going up. And so all of these things have hit us. On the other side of that is that we have a shortage of housing, a very real shortage. We went a decade without building enough houses. Same number of people graduating from high school, same number of people entering the workforce, graduating from college. Um, but And the demand for housing is there, but we haven't met it. I've seen numbers that were maybe 4 million units short nationwide. Nationwide, yes, that's yeah. about right. In Kentucky, we are, we're probably 15,000 short. With the, the higher interest rates, how do you help people manage their expectations? Because as you said, there is less buying power now. The house they may have had their mm -hmm. eye on a year ago would be more expensive now because of the interest rates. Yes, we had a, about an 18% growth in the uh, median home price over year over year. Now, uh, we don't really expect to see those prices go down, but we do, we do not see that growth continuing. We're, we're going to level off a little bit here. That's good news for buyers. Uh, most of the last two years, if you tried to put in an offer, you had to compete with as many as 20 or 25 other offers, sometimes way more than that, and, uh, and you were way above the uh, list price. But uh, what's going to happen now is it's going to take a little bit longer to sell the houses so buyers have more of an opportunity to get ready and get into the process of bidding. We think that's going to help them a lot. Sellers are going to have to dampen their expectations a little bit because they've gotten used to this putting a house on the market and then selling it for more than it was listed for. Is it more important than ever that people uh, do their uh, financial consultation than before they, they move forward so that they, they don't get disappointed when they get out there and start looking? 
Absolutely. That, that has been critical for the last several years, and it continues to be critical. There are two people that you need to talk to before you get started in the, the home buying process. Number one is consult a realtor. Number two is consult a loan officer. You need to know what, what your ability is to buy because there's no point in going looking at houses as fast as they're flying off the market that you don't have any ability to purchase. Are you seeing any trend out there that is uh, coming on or something that's fading in terms of the, the types of homes that, uh, that people are interested in? Well, it, it is interesting. Uh, COVID uh, made a lot of changes. Right. Uh, I sell in a very rural area and we have benefited from the fact that a lot of people want to be out away from the cities. And can because they can work remotely in that, some cases, absolutely right? Absolutely yeah, right. Yeah. One, the, the broadband growth in Kentucky has been phenomenal and it's it's amazing. Now you can you can get broadband in some form or another just about anywhere. And we're having people come in from out of state who are actually bringing their jobs with them and uh, buying a, a rural property and continuing to work from home. So that, that kind of changes the dynamic. Broadband is important. Uh, a space in the home where you can have a home office is very important. So you're seeing uh, people either ask for a different bedroom, an, an additional bedroom, or uh, some space in the home that they can use. And keep in mind that we've had children uh, staying home doing virtual learning, so there's actually competition for that space in the homes. But those are big dynamics. The other thing is that uh, I used to say that uh, swimming pools didn't make a lot of difference in the sale of a home, but beginning with COVID, they, they've made a big difference. So outdoor kind of activity space around a home is, is very important. Do they help now. with the price now? They, uh, uh, an in-ground home, uh, an in-ground pool will actually head to the value of the home now, especially when you're in the, in the summer months. How uh, big is the flip market these days uh, where investors buy a property and improve it and, and, and try to sell it for a profit? The, uh, the challenge with flipping homes, I've done some of that myself, the challenge with flipping homes now is finding properties at a price that you can afford to go in because the cost of actually doing the flip is more now because of the rise in the cost of building materials and inflation and labor costs. Um, so so it, 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 the way you make money on flipping a property is, is what you pay for it. You have to get the property worthwhile because it's going to cost you a fixed amount of mon money to fix it and, and you're going to get what you get for it when you put it on the market. So it is a challenge for flippers now to find the properties. Well, with the change in the economy as well and with the materials, I get, would probably make it more challenging than yes. it was, say, a year ago, right? Yeah, even our home builders today are struggling because when you start building a house, you don't know what it's going to cost in the end because of this problem with rising costs and, uh, and the shortage of building materials. If you have to sit on the market waiting 90 days for a, a supply chain problem, you're paying interest on the loan to uh, where you're financing that home. So that's a, that's a very real cost to, to a builder. For buyers or sellers, why do you recommend that people go with a real estate professional as opposed to trying to navigate the housing terrain on their own? Well, first of all, buying a home is a very complex thing and it's one of the largest purchases that anybody will ever make. So the reason you consult a professional is because they know what's going on in the market. They read market trends, they meet with other realtors, they consult with each other, they go to classes and actually get trained on this. So a, a realtor can sit down with you and give you a market analysis of a home and tell you what, the, what that home is worth. And we know that some homes have been selling higher than realtors have said they are worth. That's, that's where you get this over uh, market value. That's because people have an anxiety about getting a home and, and maybe there's just such a shortage they get them. But the realtor is going to advise you what to pay for that home so that you're not upside down in it at the start. And do you think that uh, there will continue to be a, a, a tremendous demand for 
local realtors who know a market as opposed to, you know, a lot of this can be done on websites, right? A absolutely. Yeah. You can buy a lot of things on a website, but you, the major purchase that you're going to make in your life, you should not make off of a website. What kind of profession is this? You were a late comer to real estate, you were telling me, right? I was. I've had a very diverse career. I was in the Army, and then for a while I was in the information technology world, and I accidentally got into real estate because of a family situation. But uh, it, it's very different. Um, real estate is not really about houses and so forth. It's about people. It's about solving the biggest problem that people have, whether how to sell or, or purchase a home. There's some drama sometimes, right? There is a lot of drama. <laughs> and, and the real estate professional tries to keep that off the buyers we, and we, sellers, we I guess. We keep right? that out of, the, out of the way. We are the, uh, the neutral party that's the go-between, hopefully with another realtor, and we negotiate and we keep the emotion out of it, uh, out of what is actually a very emotional experience. But uh, the idea is to, is to minimize the drama. What are your goals for the Kentucky Realtors as the organization begins its second 100 years during the time that you're president? Yes. It's very exciting uh, to be the president of the 12,800 member Kentucky Realtors. Uh, we, we started out with some goals. Some of those have changed the, the tornado situation we talked about earlier. Certainly uh, changed uh, my focus a lot this year. We also uh, lost our chief executive officer, so we are in the process of hiring a new chief executive officer. And then uh, the, the standard things that we deal with, uh, our, our profession has expanded greatly, so we have a lot of new realtors in the, in the field. So uh, professionalism is very important to us. Uh, the quality of education that we're able to provide to our members, and then of course our advocacy program with uh, working with the state legislature. Some really big wins this year, and uh, some big some big challenges ahead of us as the state uh, looks at their tax uh, laws, and and the we're we're looking at the impact that that has on home purchases and, and home ownership. Any quickly any agenda for next year for the legislature, or will you let things play out? Uh, I would say it's too early for us to yeah. say what our agenda will be next year. Uh, we, we're still sorting out the results of the primaries. <laughs> <laughs> I think everybody is. Yes. Uh, Mike Inman, uh, we thank you for coming in from Kentucky Realtors. Appreciate it very much. Thanks for your service to the country, by the way, on this uh, Memorial Day weekend. Thank, thank you, Bill. Yes, sir. I'm and that is Kentucky Newsmakers. We want to thank you very much for joining us. Certainly hope that you continue to have a very safe Memorial Day weekend. Join WKYT for the latest news, and you make it a good week ahead. <laughs>